Well, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. God bless you, and welcome to another night of Bible study as we seek to study the word of the living God. Join me in prayer tonight. God, we honor you. We thank you for who you are and for all that you've done. Speak to me, speak through me, and I thank you for every person that will hear the sound of my voice and will come to witness your truth. Speak into their heart, Holy Spirit. Open up thy truth to us that we might live in a way that brings honor and glory to your life, to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go tonight. We've been dealing with this series, Answers for the Struggle, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Problems. This is uh, number 22, and we're in Proverbs 22. Proverbs chapter 22, and uh, I want to deal tonight with 12 lessons from Proverbs 22. 12 lessons from Proverbs 22. Let's read for a moment verses 1 through 5. A good name earned by honorable behavior, godly wisdom, moral courage, and personal integrity is more desirable than great riches and favor is better than silver and gold. The rich and poor have a common bond. The Lord is the maker of them all. A prudent and far-sighted person sees the evil of sin and hides himself from it. But the naive continues on and are punished by suffering the consequences. The reward of humility, that is, having a realistic view of one's importance and the reverent worship fear of the Lord is riches, honor, and life. Thorns and snares are in the way of the obstinate for their lack of honor and their wrongdoing traps them. He who guards himself with godly wisdom will be far from them and avoid the consequences they suffer. I want to use this. Number one, live honorably live honorably and for me that means to live with humility and holiness live honorably it's it's important that when you read verse one you do not read it as though it is a um a, a castigation or a, a a besmirchment of wealth it is not it, it says simply that don't let the wealth go to your head. Don't get it dishonestly. And then verse 2 says, when you get it, and if you have it, never forget that whether one is rich or one is poor, God is still God. That you didn't get, just because you have wealth, doesn't put you above God the province of God, the, the caring of God, the seeing of God. And just because you're poor doesn't mean you're not seen by God. God is the maker of all. So if I'm going to live honorably, I got to remember who I am in God. 
I've got to remember to walk in the reverence of God. I'm going to live honorably. I've got to remember that other people besides me are in this earth. I'm no better than anybody else. I was made by the same God. And what I need to recognize is that I want to live my life so that my humility is rewarded and my humility is rewarded because I have a realistic view of my own importance. I don't think I'm that big. I don't think I'm that important. I ain't nothing special. I'm just me. If you notice, the best comedians are always self-deprecating. They always recognize their own flaws. The best actors are not the ones that are pompous and arrogant, but the ones that see they could have done it better. I'm not great. I'm, I was blessed. I stumbled into this. I didn't do anything special to get this. I, I was blessed. Why? Because in that humility, they hold on to their humanity, and by thus, they now deflect attention from themselves towards a reverent worship of God. You know, even the LeBron James of the world talk about their God-given talents. I work hard. I practice hard. I work all the time. But God gave me the talent. I didn't get it on my own. Once one gets to the place that one recognizes and lives before God honorably, and I'm going to come back to the question of humility again over and over again in this teaching because it is the position of real believers, saved folk, that whether you have a pocket full of money or no money at all, you're still blessed. That whether you are living on top of the hill or at the bottom of the hill, you're still blessed. I was just as blessed in the Ashman Street projects as I am in the place I live right now. Because I knew who I was and I knew who God was and I knew what God was doing in my life. I knew the prophetic word spoken over my life. When I had nothing in the project, I was as blessed then as I am today. What I have to, what I have to get you to buy into is your blessings cannot simply be counted in dollars and cents. Your blessings must be counted in your relationship with God. You have to recognize that God is still the source and your the, the thing that you got to want to want to do is you've got to hold your name, your name as a child of God, your name as a part of your family. You know, we, we talk to people, we tell our children all the time when they leave, left the house, they could tell you this by rote. My, my last word was, will always make us proud. In other words, don't do anything that I'm going to have to get up and apologize for, that I'm going to feel bad about, make us proud. Your name means something, but your name only means something in relation to who we are in God. So make us proud. Your good name is something you should always want to keep. 
You should always want to keep it out of the headlines. Always want to keep it out of people's mouths as much as you can. And you can't do anything about gossip, but you always want to live in a way in which your life recognizes that God is God. And you're going to guard yourself. Verse 5, he says, look, thorns and snares are always going to be there for those who don't have wisdom. But those of us who walk in wisdom, verse 5 again, who guards ourselves with godly wisdom will be far from those thorns and snares and we will avoid the consequences they suffer. So those who walk in wisdom are going to be away from those things because we're going to work towards trying to protect our name, work towards trying to be reverent towards God, work towards living a humble life. Be humble. That's what God wants from each of us. Number two, number two, verse six, train up a child in the way he should go, teaching him or her to seek God's wisdom and will for his abilities and talents. Even when he or she is old, they will not depart from it. Now, I want to use number two and call this line up the house. Line up the house. As I was thinking about this today, I was, I was thinking about Deacon and Deaconess Wiggins and, and some, a lot of you as well who have been trying to train your children up in our most holy faith. And, and all of those, all of Deacon Deacon as women, they're both in their 80s now. All their children are grown. I don't know what life has taken them to because I'm not intimately connected, but I know where they are now. And what, what we have to realize is when we implant and instill God's love in our children, we don't know what they're going to go into. We don't know how life roads are going to take them. What we do know is that what we put in them is going to come out. It's sooner or later. Sooner or later, you're going to get them. They're going to, and, and I don't know when the sooner or later is. I'm not saying it's when they're elderly. Hey, people may stray. The prodigal son and the image of that in the Bible is one who strays. But sooner or later, after a hog pen experience, after riotous living, after partying, after doing what he wanted to do, what did he do? I will arise and go to my father's house. This text here should give every parent who has children that are not yet saved and children that are being saved and children that are, that are saved now it ought to give you great relief and great joy knowing that they're in God's hands. All you can do is train them, teach them, love them, give them God's wisdom, and guess what? The word says sooner or later they're coming back in. They're, they're going to be there. They're going to be in the fold. So when I look up and I see your children sitting in church or they see them online, I'm not shocked because you invested in them. And you invested that word in them. You invested that Sunday school and that teaching and that Christian truth in them, that Bible in them. And sure, I'm not shocked to see them in church. Why? Because something got in them. And you know, I don't know about you, but as a child, 
There were times my mama made me go to church when I was going to church just because I was being made. I was not going to church to see Jesus. I was not going to church to pray. I was not going to church to sing. I was going to church because mama said go. And then the light came on and no one had to ask me to go to church. I was going to church because I needed to be in church. I wanted to be in church. I had to go. I had to be in the presence of the Lord. So, so at a certain point in my life, I got up and I was ready to go to church. And they were looking at me, well, you looking, are you all ready? It's time for church, isn't it? It's time for church. Listen, that's it. Deposit godly character. So if you deposit godly character, thanks, Sister Regina, you're going to get a return. You don't know when. Here's the thing. You don't know when it's going to happen. You don't know when it's going to happen. You don't, so don't get upset because, you know, your, your child's still doing a little doing a do-do, ba-ba-ba. You don't get upset because they're not, they not coming to church or they're, or they're kind of shaky on, on, the, on, the, on the truth. No, it's in there. It's in there. And they can't get rid of it. They can't get rid of it. Because when you train them up, when they get old, they will not depart. They got to come back in. Got to come back in. Number three. And number three is, is one I've got to do in two parts, so it's going to come back up again later on. But I'm going to read verses 7 through 9. I'm going to give, make this point again towards humility. Listen, R the rich rules over the poor, verse 7 through 9. And I'm in uh, Proverbs 22 for those who follow. The rich rule over the poor, the borrower is servant to the lender. I'm coming back to that verse shortly. He who sows injustice will reap a harvest of trouble. And the rod of wrath, rod of his wrath, which, with which he oppresses others, will fail. He who is generous will be blessed. For he who gives some of his food to the poor. For he gives. Let me give you this. Learn humility. I go back up to the beginning. And, and living honorably is living with humility. And I suggest that you learn humility. And if you don't get anything out of the Proverbs when we, while we're studying these, you ought to get the word humility and it ought to be like beat into your brain. Because see, when you're humble, you don't even think about doing some folks wrong. Because you realize there before the grace of God go out. When you're humble, you don't have to worry about the rod of wrath because you recognize, look, I'm not, getting, I'm not going to do anybody wrong, therefore God's not going to let anything wrong happen to me. When, when you're generous, you recognize, look, God bless me, I may not be a millionaire, but I got a few bucks, I'm going to bless somebody else. I'm going to feed somebody else. I'm going to clothe somebody else. Because sooner or later, God will ask me, you know, wh when did you do this? And, and, and Jesus is going to respond, when you did this to the least of these, my little ones, you did it unto me. So when I bless the poor, I'm blessing Jesus. When I give in benevolence, I'm blessing the Lord. I'm living my faith. I'm humbly living my faith. Look, I don't care if you have never asked 
or needed anything from benevolent fund, you ought to give double then. You know why you ought to give double? Because you have been so blessed that God has done something in you that you've never needed it. You ought to be thanking God. You ought to be saying, hey, bless your name. And you ought to be humble. You're not walking around tomorrow, I, I, I pay my own way. I got it later for you. Later for you. Everybody need a hand sometime. Everybody need to be shown love sometime. Everybody. And you learn to be humble, then you don't get all that, your, 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 your butt up on your shoulders. You don't, you, you all, you all of a sudden you care about other people and not just yourself. Learn humility. I'm coming back to this rich over the poor in a moment, the borrower, servants, and lender, but I'll get to that, and you'll know when I get it because you'll say, oh, that's what that meant. Okay, number four. Number four. It starts in verse 10 through verse 13. Let's read it. Drive out the scoffer, and contention will go away. Even strife and dishonor will cease. He who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king as his friend. The eyes of the Lord keep guard over knowledge and the one who has it, but he overthrows the words of the treacherous. The lazy one, one who manufactures excuses and says, there's a lion outside, I'll be killed in the streets if I go out to work. Let me tell you something, number four is this. Lead honestly. Lead honestly. Lead honestly. Now, and I could simply say live honestly, but, but lead that way. When you live honesty or you lead honesty, what you do is you don't have nothing to do with foolishness. People that, that gossip all the time, gotta go. I don't have no part with that. Don't, don't bring me that foolishness. Don't bring me that mess, as I said on Sunday. No. Because see, what you wanna do is, you wanna be honest enough to say, hey, I love you too much to let you keep talking like that because you're gonna mess up both of us. I'm gonna get that in my spirit and I'm gonna feel some type of way towards them. And all of a sudden there's gonna be strife when it didn't have to be. So I'm going to stop this right now. As I push away the scoffer, I push away malicious people, I also stop strife. I also stop my own dishonor. See, I'm not just gonna sit there and listen to you talk about, well, let me, let me use a, a good one here. Um, Deacon Medina's lead deacon in this church. I'm not going to let you just talk about my deacon. I don't need that. I know that man. De Senior Deacon Wiggins and Senior Deacon uh, uh, Wilson, Senior Deacon S. Wilson and Senior Deacon S. Wiggins. You ain't going to sit there and talk about mine. I've known them people since I've been here. Every day since I've been in this place. Look, I know their life. I know the God in them. So don't bring, don't, don't bring me that bull. You can add any other words you need to add. I don't use them, but I know you know them. Listen, what I'm going to do is 
I'm going to live my life with a pure heart, honestly. I'm going to keep my speech graced. I'm going to try and live my life knowing that the Lord is keeping guard over me and the eyes of God are always upon me. Look, let me say it this way. Your mama can't see you, but God can. Your mama may not know what you did, but God does. Your daddy may not know what you did, but the Lord was there. Let me, when, when Gehazi, the servant of Elijah, goes out and he tells a bold-faced lie and he gets money, he comes back. When he comes back with the treasure, the prophet looks at him and says to him, why did you just do? What did you do? And he, and, and he looks at him like, how did you know? He says to him, did not my heart go with you? I saw through you because my heart was associated with you. Well, God sees through us, meaning he's seeing through our eyes even as we're looking at foolishness. Woo, preach wise. I got to roll, I got to roll. I feel like butter now. I'm starting to go get it hot now. It's getting hot. It's getting hot. I need to get my stuff together where I'm going to lead honestly. Number five. Okay, don't get mad at me. I didn't make this up. It's the Bible. It says the mouth of an immoral woman is a deep pit, deep and inescapable. Can I add, a mouth of the immoral man is the same way. He who is cursed by the Lord because of his adulterous sin will fall into it. <whistles> Crash and burn. Listen, number five is lurid hedonism. Hedonism, lurid hedonism. Well, I'm getting ready to get on this road. So you might as well get, buckle up, buttercup, we got to go. Let me tell you something. You have to be careful, both women and men, married and single. You must be careful of the pursuit of pleasure, of the pursuit of sensual self-indulgence. That's what hedonism is. You have to be careful because when you get to the place where you are lured, that's what the mouth does. The mouth is a lure. It's lured. I'm, I'm promising you this for that. You give me a little this, I give you a little that. You come over here, come into my boudoir, and I'll give you some. Anyway, you come over here, I give you a little. Yeah, listen, that, that pursuit of lurid hedonism, the pursuit of pleasure. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a good time. I ain't preaching against good time. I ain't preaching against being, enjoying life. What I'm pre preaching against is illicitly enjoying it. Getting caught up with an immoral person. Getting caught up just because you did, could don't mean you should. Um, um, I... Fella sing a song says, Why didn't I realize the gravity of telling lies? He said, What I need to realize is that I have to know that sooner or later I'm going to fall into a trap. A trap. It's a trap. 
Do you know there are people in this world who don't want real relationships? They just want the thrill. They in it for the thrill and the kill. And every chance they get, they try to create a thriller in Manila. They want to go some rounds in the ring. And that's all they care about. They don't want a relationship with you. So you up here dating somebody that's husband material, but then somebody else come along and all they want is a cheap thrill. You go out there with that person and now the husband material gone and you done had a thrill and all you got is something to take care of. Hello? You've got to understand, be careful of the traps of life. Because see, when you get into listening to that good talk, and all, all of us have put it on. Let me just, let me go back. I said all of us have tried at some time to talk others into things maybe they weren't first considering. All of us, you try to say, oh, you look so good, you look so sweet, you're so fine, whatever. Oh, Missy, you're so fine, you're so fine, you blow my money. Never mind. Hey, Mickey. You have to be careful. Be careful, because you get falling down into that, that pleasure principle that that's all you think about, and pleasure will drive you, and it will drive you into the pit. Pleasure will drive you into the pit. That's why, that's why the scripture teaches the young men, you, you be satisfied by, by the bosom of your own wife. The, the, the scripture actually says that. I know some of y'all looking down like, well, what do you mean? The Bible actually says, he tells a man, you be, let her body, and those look it up because you know what I'm talking about, satisfy thee and not another. In other words, I'm not trying to tell you not to have pleasure. I'm just telling you where to have it at. That's why the Bible said a marriage bed is undefiled. Oh, preach wise. Okay, I know some of y'all got a little upset. Come on back, church. All right, number six. I got to rush. I got to go. I'm only halfway home and I'm out of, almost out of time. Number six is found in verse 15. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline. Correction administered with godly wisdom and loving kindness will remove it far from him. Number six is lovingly hold accountable. Lovingly hold accountable. You know, sometimes, you know, um, used to used to be a saying um, that mothers. Um, love their sons and discipline their daughters. We teach our daughters not to do this. You don't do this. You don't do that. You don't do the other. And some, we, you know, we be like uh, a chip off the old block. Oh, uh, have you whatever yet. Yeah. Let me tell you something. To lovingly hold someone accountable is to recognize that discipline is of God. Now, I ain't talking about beating your child bloody. And I ain't talking about doing what our parents did to us. Some of y'all who are around my age know what I'm talking about because you got hit with whatever was available. First available. You, you said it when they had that in their hand and that's what came flying. First available. But, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about bringing discipline, holding accountable. 
not letting people just, not letting young people just do any old thing. Saying, no, that's wrong. That's unacceptable. That you can't do that. That's not right. When they're grown, they're gonna have to hold themselves accountable. But when, you, but when you're young, you've gotta make sure you hold them accountable, lovingly. The lack of discipline is one of the biggest problems in the world. The Bible, Bible puts it this way, in one place, spare the rod, spoil the child. And there are some spoiled brats walking around here. There are some people who've never heard the word no. And then they start living lives of entitlement and then you wonder why they acting like they act. You up there, you're all humble and you're trying to live right and, every, and your child walking around like they deserve everything. And they mad at you because you don't give it to them. Well, I deserve this dress. I can't afford that dress, but I deserve it. Well, I deserve a new dress too, but I can't afford that either. So shut up and sit down and be happy. Didn't nobody see the last one you wore. You didn't stay in church long enough. Let me go. I'm sorry. Bad joke. Terrible. I'm staying on this, this, one, this theme here of the lack of discipline. And this is a hard one. I'm going to give this one to verse 16. He who oppresses or exploits the poor to get more for himself. This goes back to this pleasure issue, this lurid hedonism is when you want to just, you want to get what you want no matter who you got to take it from. Or who gives to the rich to gain influence will only come to poverty. This one is going to be big. And I said, loathsomeness leads to humbling. Loathsomeness leads to humbling. Write it down. When someone is loathsome, they low down. They do wicked things. They sneaky. They dirty. They rotten to the core. You know them. They scandalous. But you got to remember now, when you exploit people, when you take advantage of folk, and you try to use bribes and wealth to, to get favor and all that, Sooner or later, you're going to be humbled. It's going to lead to poverty. That's what humbling means. Leads to poverty. Means he's going to break you down. Sooner or later, when you act like a scoundrel, when you act like a dog, a dirty dog, deputy dog, all dog, mighty dog, dingy dog, I don't care. Sooner or later, it's going to come back, bow, wow, wow, yippee, yo, yippee, yay, and bite you in the butt, and even your dogs won't come back. You're going to be by yourself. Because everybody, when you are low down, when you low down, sooner or later, you're going to be, you're going to be humble. I don't care how much you got how prideful you are, walking around like your stuff don't stink, walking around like you got the world on the string, walking around, I believe I can fly, I believe I can touch the sky, think about it every night and day, lift my wings and fly away, I believe I can soar, see me running through that open door, I believe I can fly, uh-oh. Uh-oh, uh-oh, but you got folk locked up in your house, 
you up here mistreating people, guess what? R. Kelly went from a Grammy award-winning artist to an inmate. From a Grammy award-winning artist to an inmate, R. Kelly. I don't know about you. I, I, I thought we might have had something for that. So, a Grammy award-winning artist. Yeah, thank you to an inmate. Because I don't care. Gifts are without repentance. Okay, you can write. Remember this. All of those songs he did that you danced to, you stepped in the name of love and all other, he was doing it while still being lonesome. He was doing it by still, while still having people twisted up in their mind. Young ladies' mind suffering from what we used to call Helsinki syndrome, where, uh, Stockholm syndrome. She, she's so messed up, her parents couldn't even get her out of this house. All of that. But if you keep acting a fool, you keep being lonesome, sooner or later you're going to be humble. 30 years. How do you go from flying all over the country on private jets? to be a six by six cell. Lonesomeness leads to humbling. Now, now, now some of you, you, you get this now. God is so kind and so loving. I want, I want to suggest to you something. And this is gonna bless somebody who's been, 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 been on the low side of low. I'm gonna help you right here so you don't get R. Kelly. Listen, that means humbled. I don't want you to get there. Remember this, there were many times along the way when he was warned where he could have stopped and maybe missed this big deal in his life. But when God tries to bring you back in line, because I do believe the young man loves the Lord. When God tries to bring you back in line and you won't, his word is always going to be true. Sooner or later, he is going to rock your world and you're going to go from the top to the bottom. And in this case, if what has been convicted in court is true, deservedly so. Oh, I feel horrible for him. But lonesomeness will lead to humbling. You got to be careful. Be careful, be careful. This is, you know, when, when, when he almost got caught with Aaliyah marrying her before. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. He, he could have stopped then. How many years after her death now do we come to this moment? Listen, you got to know. Make sure you live your life as best you can because you don't want the Lord to take your prideful self and your self-absorbed hedonism and rock your world. Because sooner or later, judgment coming. <sighs> okay, come on back. I, I'm messing with some folks. Yes, this joint, it does catch, it catches up to you. It catches up to you. Number eight. Number eight comes in 
verse 17 through 21. Listen carefully and hear the words of the wise and apply your mind to my knowledge, for it will be pleasant if you keep them in mind. Incorporating them as guiding principles, let them be ready for your lips to guide and strengthen yourself and others so that your trust and reliance and confidence may be in the Lord. I have taught these things to you today, even to you. Have I not written to you excellent things in counsels and knowledge to let you know the certainty of the words of truth that you may give a correct answer to him who has sent you? Number, number eight is this. Listen holistically. Listen holistically. You had a pie piper done piped this last pipe. Ain't nobody following him now. Radio won't even play his song. Listen holistically. What he says to them is, look, you need to learn to listen to the word of God. Listen to the word of God. Listen to what good, wise counsel and teaching. But he says, not only listen to it, but apply your mind to this wisdom. Apply your mind. So wisdom is the principal thing, but the application of the wisdom is what makes it come to life. So get wisdom. It's the principal thing. But wisdom unapplied is just wisdom. You've got to apply the wisdom and knowledge God gives you. You've got to implement it into your life. So you've got to listen holistically, get what God has given You've got to incorporate it into your thinking as guiding principles for your life so that when, you, when it comes time to give an account, you can speak and talk clearly. You can speak up and say, this is what God is doing. This is what the Lord is saying. This is how I'm, I'm to live my life. Why? Because you have learned how to listen holistically for the complete word of God so that you can apply it to your life in every area of your life. Not one, two, three, three, every area of your life to make the application. And this is wisdom. Well, number nine. Number nine. Do not rob the poor. I'm in verse 22. Do not rob the poor because he's poor and defenseless. Nor crush the afflicted by legal proceedings at the gate where the court is held. For the Lord will plead their case and take the life of those who robbed them. He said, look, you mistreat people, God stands up on the side of the oppressed. God, James Cone said, is the God of the oppressed. So when the oppressed are oppressed, God pleads their cause. Number nine is this, love the helpless. Love the helpless. This is good stuff tonight. I'm feeling, I'm feeling, I'm feeling love the helpless. Look, don't, don't mistreat poor people. Don't crush the poor because you can. You got to realize that, that just because you can, thanks, Connie, so do I. You, you got to realize that, that their poverty, in some cases, is not their fault. It may be a fact of where they were born in this world, when they were born in this world. You've got to recognize, look, you've got to love those that need 
and you've got to be there for them. You've got to love the helpless. Because where, where do you want to be at? If God is the God of the oppressed, you want to be on the side of the oppressed. You want to be helping the oppressed. You want to be loving on the oppressed. You want to be lifting the oppressed. You do not want to be one who takes advantage of people who cannot help themselves, who are defenseless. Love the helpless. Love the helpless. Number 10, verses 24 and 25. Do not even associate with a man given to angry outbursts or go along with a hot-tempered person or you will learn his undisciplined ways and get yourself trapped in a situation from which it is hard to escape. Number 10 is this. Leave the hothead. Leave the hothead. Leave the hothead. I don't care. I do not like people around me that always fly off, always get mad, always ready to fight, always ready to shoot somebody. I get them. I get them. No. They can't just talk to me like that. They ain't mistreat me. Be quiet. You've got to learn how not to always fly off the handle. And if you can't, I can't hang with you. Because, see, you're going to get in a situation and then you're going to expect me to back you up. You're going to sell a wolf ticket that you know I can pay. And now I'm over here trying to be in a fight that I didn't even pick. No, we ain't getting in no fight today. We ain't fighting. Look, I did, the dumbest thing in the world, uh, a man, a woman the other day gets in an argument with another woman over nothing. What she do? Pull out a pistol and shoots the lady. Later on, you find out what they were arguing about. If they had just waited 10 seconds, took a breath, they'd went in and hugged each other and went and had dinner. Now you're going to jail. Now you're going to jail. You're hot-headed. Poor boy trying to rob Macy's the other day. He's going to pull out a small pistol and shoot the guard. Here's a guard making, making enough to live on, and now all of a sudden he's shot because you want to steal something. You're just hot-headed. It would have been better to take the little jail sentence for, for robbery. You probably didn't have that much on your know-how because you were hiding it. You, you'd have been better to take that jail sentence. Now you're going to end up going to jail for years. Assault with a deadly weapon. Carrying a, deadly, a concealed deadly weapon without a permit. Come on, if, if you got it from somebody carrying an unlicensed deadly weapon. Come on, man. They got so many charges they can put on your life right now, you could have went to jail for 90 days. Now you might be in there 90 years, you idiot. That's because you're hot-headed. Temper, look, I tell people, if you can't learn to control your temper, it's a sign that you are not a disciplined person. If you can't control your anger, it's a sign you're not a disciplined person. It's a sign you really need to grow up. You're immature. Because the first control you ought to get in life before you ever seek to lead other people, help other people, control other people, manage other people, the first thing you need to learn to control is you. 
And if you can't control you, why should we let you lead somebody else? Hello? I got to roll. Got to roll. Time running out. Number 11, verse 26 through 27 and 28. This goes back up to that issue we lifted up earlier in the evening. So listen. Do not be among those, verse 26, do not be among those who give pledges involving themselves in others' finances or among those who become guarantors for other folk debt. If you have nothing with which to pay another's debt when defaults, why should, you be, why should his creditor take your bed from underneath you? Do not, do not move an old landmark or boundary property line which your fathers have set. I want to give you this real quick. It says, in Proverbs 22, when we listened before, it says the borrower is the servant of the lender. So getting in debt is something you need to be careful of. So number 11 is this, limit hock, H-O-C-K. Now I know some of y'all know you use the word hock, ham hocks, hock to spew stuff out of your mouth. No. Hawk is actually a word that means debt. And what you got to learn how to do is to limit debt. Yeah, that's what, yeah, shout at McDonald's employee because the, the food was cold. Lord have mercy. Now that's real hot-headedness. Listen, hawk means limit debt. Limit debt. Limit debt. Limit your debt. Look, you got to realize that you do not want to take on any more debt burden, debt service that you can handle. And be careful how much debt you allow yourself to get into. You know, when, when, uh, when the text suggests that the borrower is a servant to the lender, the debt, the, that idea of servant is slavery. And so what it is is that you need to recognize that debt is a form of slavery. So be careful about getting into it on behalf of others. Standing with somebody else is unworthy, but also realize that, that for the Israelite, when it talked about debt as slavery, it was not simply a metaphorical term, it was literal. If you couldn't pay, you were taken as a slave to work off your debt. Second Kings chapter four, verse one, gives it this way. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophet cried out to Elijah saying, your servant, my husband is dead and you know that your servant feared the Lord and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. Husband dead, I'm no longer able to pay. They're coming to make my sons slaves. What you have to realize is this. You do not want to overextend yourself for some pursuit of hedonism pleasure when you need to be wise you need to be wise you need to be wise and standing for others debt makes you unwise be careful i'm not talking about not blessing your children and your family and trying to help others around you but what i'm telling you is you've got to know your limitations you know you so and so come up and say will you will you will you stand with me co-sign on this you know look you owe me $20 from 20 years ago. You never paid that back. What make you think, me think you're going to pay this $15,000 back to the bank? That's my $15,000 debt. 
So you got to be wise. Hello? Okay, I've gone too far. Last one, number 12, and I got to jump. This is going to be quick. Number 12 is verse 29. Do you see a man skillful and experienced in his work? He will stand in honor before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. Number 12 is this. Laud handicraftsmen and women. Laud handicraftsmen and women. You know, the disrespect I see nowadays for tradespeople makes me sick. You know, just because you can do something on Wall Street or you can get a job at some major corporation, here's a person who can take a piece of wood and make an eagle. Here's a person that can take this piece of steel and make chairs, make art. But you think you something because you can take some money and invest it and gamble it on these stocks and you made a little money. But you have no respect for people who have, with their hands and their wisdom and their knowledge, made things of skill. What this text suggests is that for this community, they were to honor those craftspeople. They were to see those, those craft works. They would have looked at that quilting done by our mother, foremothers and forefathers when they made us those good quilts and those ones that would, where you could sleep on and you wouldn't need but, but, but so many of them because you'd be warm all night long. Nah, you, now you got to go to Macy's and, and to, to, to bed, bed, bath, and beyond and everywhere else and find a quilt and you need four or five of them to warm you up. Well, mama used to make them patchwork and some pieces of cutting shapes put on and they work on it on an old piece of wood was, was all even better than what you can get out of the store. But we didn't respect the craft. We didn't respect what, what was going on. We lost this, but we need to go back. And we need to respect those and honor those craftsmen and craftswomen who had a great opportunity to share their gifts. You know, nowadays, you wear a pair of shoes, you got to throw them away because there's no cobblers left. You used to be a person would work on a shoe. He could take that shoe apart and put that shoe back together, and you can get another three or four years out of that shoe. Nowadays, you wear the shoe three or four times, break the heel, and you throw it away. Because I'm one, the manufacturer's not, but what it used to be. And there are no cobblers or very few left because we don't respect it. When you respect something, you honor it. You're also willing to pay for it. You understand that that skill deserves to be honored and respected. I've done enough for tonight. God bless you. It's been a great night of Bible study. I hope you've gotten something out of this word. I could go on and on and on, on and on to the break of dawn. The beat don't stop. I feel like God's blessed us. But thank you so much for joining me here tonight. Thank you for all of your prayers. Thank you for being a part of this great Bible study tonight. Look, need you to join me tomorrow. I'm, I'm going to be on the prayer line at 1 o'clock. Tomorrow, join me for prayer, one o'clock community prayer. It's going to be there. I look forward to praying with you at one o'clock tomorrow. Looking forward to having a great time in the name of the Lord. 
Continue praying for uh, Deacon Daniels and for Michael Watts. Continue keeping them in your prayers. So glad I didn't get a chance to say anything. Maybe get a chance to get her to say something next Sunday when she comes. Elder Holly was back in church and even prayed a couple Sundays ago. But keep praying for her and for her complete recovery. Again, we're still praying for each one of you. And uh, I love each one of you. I'm holding you up before the Lord. And I love you with the love of the Lord. Now look, if you don't have a place to worship, you need a church to be a part of, I welcome you as a part of our I community. Wherever you are, join us, call me, write me, let me know, say, Bishop, I want to be a part of the Shiloh family. I welcome you to the Shiloh family. I love you all with the love of the Lord. Now look, last thing I want to tell you is this, benevolence, give is unto the Lord. Hey. We give it out. We give it out. I just got a call uh, uh, yesterday thanking us for a gift we sent to, to someone who had gone through some bad uh, times and uh, suffered a stroke and some things that went awry, and God led us to be a blessing. And uh, I was just so grateful that they called me to say they received the blessing from the diaconate, the deacon and deaconess, sent it out and blessed them. Look, we're always here. We're going to bless somebody. And I love you tonight because you're a blessing. Given to give. You saw it already on the screen. Cash app, Givelify, or mail. Be a partner with us in ministry. Well, it's been a great one. This has been another one from Shiloh. I hope you've gotten something out of it. Baby sis, love you. Amen. My older sister will be flying back out on Thursday, so please keep digging as Deborah Miles in your prayers. We're going to miss her. Thank God for her. Godspeed. Safe travel to her as she goes back to Singapore. Halfway around the world, I think it's 12-hour time difference. But she stays up on Shiloh and is always online. We love you and Deacon Miles. We love y'all. God bless you. Get ready to close. You know what? I'm praying for each of you. Praying especially for our Sally's Hay and the Hay family, those two beautiful children. Please keep them in your prayers. Saturday they will lay to rest. Brother Kenyon, please keep them in your prayers. Amen. We love you all. He's in our heart forever, and you're in our prayers, and we're going to stand with you. God bless you, saints. You go in peace, and the very peace of God go with you. And you know what I say. Shalom. Shalom.